on SAFM. Very good Friday to you, Mzansi. Welcome to Otherwise Talking Women on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. The show's producer is Hazel Makuzeni. And Luanda Mafiana is our technical producer for today. Our contact details are 0892-102010. Email otherwise at safm.co.za. Tweets at otherwise safm or at Shadow Twala. So we won't continue with uh, what Sapisa has been talking about, which is uh, the Oscar Pistorius uh, case. But we will look at what other events are happening around uh, the, the country and talk about exhibitions and food and uh, a, a Guinness World Record attempt and, of course, the upcoming Cape Town Fringe. But before we talk to my guest, Helene Mayer, who's the author of Make Five, One Ingredient Equals Five Recipes, I thought we'd give you a lunch bite. And it's, it goes like this. It's by Barbara Kostikian. In the childhood memories of every good cook, there's a large kitchen, warm stove, a simmering pot, and a mom. Otherwise, on SAFM. Helene Mayer started working as an assistant to the food editor of the magazine Sari, after which she was the food consultant at AMC Cookware for almost 10 years. And in 2000, she wrote a book for them entitled the AMC Book. And she's also author of two of her own internationally acclaimed cookbooks, Food from the Heart, Ontokos and Kos as Opti Tafel. Helene, welcome and thank you so much for your patience. No problem. Thank you for the opportunity. This is a very beautiful book, Helene, and I love the fact that I didn't know you could cook so many, such a variety of food with just one ingredient. I take the butternut. How did you discover this? Well, I am quite a foodie um, in the sense that I have a big passion for food. Mm -hmm. So... um, Trying out new ideas and putting things together is something that really gives me a lot of sort of joy and pleasure. So that's one of the things that I enjoy doing is playing with ingredients until I get a new combination that works well. I, I see one of the things you said about the book is that you, you, you know, you, you wish you could give us the smells and the flavor <laughs> of the food. But, but I tell you what makes up for it are the pictures because you've got the most sumptuous looking pictures in the book. Compliments to the photographer. Yes, no, I worked with Neville Lockhart, who is a brilliant food photographer. The attention to detail and with lighting and everything that he puts into every single picture is absolutely a joy. So um, we make up a very good team. And yes, I am very happy with the pictures. They do speak their own story if you page through the book. Yeah, no, no, for sure, because that's that's what makes you want to... Try the recipe because it looks so good, and you 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 compel us as well to have the 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 kind of dishware and cutlery and the, you know the the way the kitchen your kitchen looks. That and I think that were they taken in your kitchen? Um, no, unfortunately not in Neville's kitchen. So, but um, I'm working towards that. We are definitely working on a kitchen that's going to look something like that. So, <laughs> uh, it's a, a beautiful feeling that it has, and it's 
fit so beautifully in with the rest of the book, so it worked well. Well, it, it does because you really it, it it takes you back to to how we grew up. You know, it's the kind of kitchen that I think a lot of people remember when they think about their childhood. And I stole my lunch bite from you about in in the childhood memories of every good cook. There's a large kitchen, warm stove, a simmering pot, and a mum. Now, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> it is absolutely stunning. You know, and I, I really I really enjoyed that. But now, would you call this a a health book? I'm not a dietitian, mm. um, so I can't put people on diets and tell them what and how to eat. But I do have a big passion for teaching people good food that's also good for you. Mm. So if I can encourage people to use less salt or to season food with interesting ingredients and not just add pre-prepared sauces and a lot of artificial ingredients, that gives me joy. Because ingredients on their own has got so much to offer. And if you know how to combine them, something like basil and tomato is such an absolute fantastic synergy of flavors mm. and if you have that you don't need much more and that's what I try and encourage people to do is to cook as naturally and as healthy as possible without feeling oh I'm on a, on a diet I need to cook bland and boring food it's everything but that so it's good food that's really flavorful and full of textures and colors but if you look at it in detail you'll see that there's healthy oils being used lots of ingredients like lentils and chickpeas and lots of fresh ingredients used mm -hmm. to give that natural flavorness to the to the food what what i also found out is that instead of using stock because you you warn us about salt yes. instead of using stock i didn't know that you could use rooibos tea with yes, some garlic in there yes it's a fantastic ingredient to cook with so because stock tends to be very salty and sometimes i find that some stocks are so heavy in flavor that it actually overpowers some ingredients mm -hmm. and then rooibos tea is beautiful because it blends equally well with sweet spices like cinnamon or cardamom and as well with um, curries and and more sort of salty and savory ingredients no it's that that, that i'm going to try that for sure <laughs> <laughs> and and you also tell us give us hints uh, and I want you to give some of these practical tips, really, of how to prepare. Because we usually, I, I often find myself going to the shop and buying ingredients. And, and then I've, I've got extras left. And I'm not too sure how, you know, when next I'm going to use them, especially yes. with, with fresh herbs and, and, and those kinds of things. But you give us uh, uh, practical tips about how to even plan our meals. Yes, I try and encourage people to um, use what they have in their fridges. Mm -hmm. And also when it comes to spices, for instance, I love cumin. So I will use cumin in many different ways. And I often find that people say, no, I bought the cumin for one thing, but now where do I use it again? But in my recipes, I try and use similar ingredients a couple of times mm -hmm. and then I do give tips on things like herbs if you've got lots of herbs make pesto from it or chop it up and put it in an ice cube tray fill it with a bit of olive oil and freeze it like that so that you have wow. these little oily herb cubes that whenever you're making something and you feel like using fresh herbs or you melt that and you make scrambled eggs in it then it is a brilliant um, way to use those and not let it go to waste. Mm, mm. No, that, that's really amazing. Now, I, I, this is not just for, um, uh, what, do I, what lack of a better word, you've got a health kind of, um, in, in next to every recipe, you've put little signs about what is gluten-free, and I find that very interesting, what is dairy-free, you know, and what is kid-friendly. So, and, and so vegetarians can also use this cookbook. Yes. 
I find these days that people are far more aware of things that they don't necessarily need to eat or that they find that their bodies doesn't like it when you eat it, like people who are intolerant to gluten or, or dairy. So it makes it so much easier if somebody looks at a picture and says, oh, yes, I'm going to make this. But now they halfway through the recipe, they discover it's got something in that they actually can't use. So now I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for people. They literally look at the little symbols at the top. They can immediately see, yes, I can make this for my kids, or no, I better not use this because it's got a lot of gluten in it. And then it makes it easy for them to choose a recipe that's suitable for them. I'm surprised about tin tomatoes, which you, 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 you advocate. Well, you say they work very well. I would have thought you would have gone more for 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 uh, just fresh tomatoes. Fresh tomatoes. Yeah. Yes. I do have a whole um, section in the first part of the book with um, tomatoes as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you, not not as um, yeah using them cooked and fresh and mm-hmm. like in a salad but the tin tomatoes has got a big convenience element to it and it is one of the tinned ingredients that is really healthy cooked tomatoes we all know that they've good for you because the lycopene once the tomatoes are cooked is better absorbed by the body mm-hmm. and it's something that uh, there are times in the year that fresh tomatoes are not as ripe and as sweet so mm-hmm. then you would rather use um, a tin of tomatoes and a lot of people battle to find fresh things sometimes so then there are beautiful things that you can make with a tin of tomatoes there normally isn't any salt in a tin of tomatoes and you can just use it to bulk something up. It can be the base of a dish. So it's really a versatile thing in your, that you can have in your kitchen cupboard. I find usually one has to alter the acidity of, of, of tomatoes because they, they can either make or break your dish. Yes. So how, how does one do that? What's the best way of, of getting or neutralizing the acid? Typically, people would add sugar. I try and avoid sugar in my cooking as far as possible. Mm-hmm. So there's different things that you can do. Fresh herbs mm-hmm. um, works well. A little bit of lemon juice does work well because mm-hmm. it um, balances it quite nicely. And if I use it, for instance, in a meaty dish like a, a mince mixture or a lamb shanks, then I would quite easily add a little bit of apple puree. If I have apples that are not fresh enough anymore that you would enjoy eating them just like that, I boil them with a cinnamon stick, blend it, and again, freeze it in little portions, and then I would add just one or two of those cubes of apple puree. is more than enough to neutralize the acidity of the tomatoes, and it actually gives a beautiful flavor. You can do exactly the same with pears as well. And then you have a pear or apple puree in your freezer, and you just add that to the um, dish that you're preparing. You know, the other la- lastly, I want to ask you about carrots because usually carrots uh, just last forever in my fridge <laughs> because, I, you know, if you haven't make, made a salad with them or, or coleslaw or anything, then, you know, you've got carrots forever. But you, you've just, this carrot stew with star anise is so amazing. Carrot is a fantastic ingredient. Again, you can use it to bulk up something. For instance, if I make meatballs, I grate carrot or baby marrow and add that to the mince mixture. It's also a very nice way to flavor something or sweeten something. Um, if you want to have a slightly sweeter flavor in a tomato dish again, you could use carrot to have that neutralizing effect of the acidity. And it's something that really works well with a range of flavors. The star anise in the stew is It's a basic, simple stew made with cabbage and carrot. But if you add the star anise, or if you look at the previous recipe with the caraway seeds and the mint, just with sweet potatoes and carrot, it's four very simple ingredients, but the combination is something that you will remember once you've eaten it. 
Helen Mayer, thank you so much for this book. And it's available at all good stores. And thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. Otherwise, on SAFM. So excited to be talking to my next guest, uh, Sam Klingetra's, uh uh, exhibition opened yesterday at the Goodman Gallery in Johannesburg. He joins us now to talk to us about some final tributes, which is the exhibition. Brassem. Hello, Cheryl. How are you? A little bit of uh, flu, but I'm fine. How did the opening go yesterday? It was awesome. As usual, you know, you you spoiled. Eh? Anything, <laughs> anything you put out there just works. Thanks to the South African audience, I mean, those who follow the arts, I really appreciate their support. They are always behind us. And of course, you would be playing jazz in the background, huh? What are you listening to? Charles Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good life, my man. You have such a beautiful life. Now, some final tributes. Um, who are you paying tribute to? This is uh, Henry Matisse. Uh, Romain Berin, African-American, mm-hmm. Jean-Michel Basquiat, uh, David Goldblatt, and Ephraim Ngatane. And uh, Ephraim Ngatane and David Goldblatt are the only local artists I'm paying tribute to. The rest are overseas artists. What, 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 what do they mean to you? I mean, you could have, you, you had so many people to choose from. What, what do these artists mean to you? Well, sir, it started some years ago. I started with uh, Robert Hodgins. Uh, Gerard Sigoto, Dumisani Mabaso, and George Pemba. And then the second level included David uh, Go, uh, David Kolwane, William Cambridge, Malintuma, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it's been like sitting in my studio, maybe dining with these colleagues. And um, they had that impact in my life. Mm-hmm. I had that connection with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Matisse, I studied Matisse uh, while I was um, an art student in Rockstrift. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, his, his his sense of color, especially, I mean, such a coincidence about him is um, is that he um, his uh, one of his art uh, works was chosen by Wynton Marsalis, mm-hmm. the Majesty of the Blues. Oh, yes. So that again, it's it's such a coincidence to show that there's this um, mutual uh, connection between jazz and art. Of course, of course. Um, you, you know, and that's what comes across when you, when I see your work as well. Your work sings a lot. Your work also is very vibrant with color. I see uh, the, the the tribute to Jean-Michel Basquiat is, is, is actually quite stunning. Um, what, 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 what are you communicating there? Well, the thing is, like you know, I I I try not to to deviate from the actual images of the of the artists I'm paying tribute to. Mm. So what I do is like I would have this vacated space, like um, my previous uh, themes were like um, uh, the interiors. Mm-hmm. So on the walls, I would interpret exactly the painting that I've seen in the book of. Jean-Michel Basquiat, mm-hmm. uh, I would interpret exactly what uh, William Cambridge did. So it's just to sort of like um, reflect what really inspires me about these artists, but without interfering with the with the way they work. Mm. Is, is there a stark contrast between what the, the, your exhibition now and your uh, your conversations? Well, yes. 
because I, I from time to time, uh, come with different themes, you know. Mm. So conversations were totally different, although there would be like scenes with some interior spaces, but uh, this uh, the conversation had nothing to do with paying um, homage to individual mm-hmm, artists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also the way it, it, it is placed, because, you know, there are different ways of, of, of viewing and you need to create a particular mood when you, because you don't you don't just paint and, and put pictures on the wall. You you take into consideration the kind of space you put them in. Absolutely. I mean, like for instance, somebody who who really really inspired me during those times when I started to do collage, Romare Bedin. I mean, I you know sometimes I, I I just like shiva if I have to sort of like do something about Romare Bedin because both of us we do collage. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I try very hard to show that. Same thing it ends here and uh, Rome Bedin starts here. Mm-hmm. How long is the exhibition running for? I think it's running until mid next month. And are these are these uh, paintings for sale at all? Yes, they are for sale. And uh, for your information, I'm I'm rushing back to the states. I've got another show opening on the second of of of, of next month in in Atlanta. Oh, which one is this? Uh it's scared. Scared is um, Savannah. College of Art and Design. They invited me February in in, in Savannah, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the show was there for three months. And there, I was showing side by side with uh, my idol Romer Berin. Mm-hmm. And then now, after three months, it moved to to Atlanta. They've got uh, uh, their premises there, so I'll be I'll be there as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, uh, some of the people who are not familiar with uh, Romer Berin's work. Uh, Winton Masalis has used a lot of um, uh, his, his, his works on his on on his album. Even his his younger brother, Branford. Yes, fantastic. Well, somebody should use your work on on, on many covers as well, because as I say, your work sings. Brasem, thank you so much for talking to us. Good luck. You make us proud. Enjoy Atlanta, and I hopefully when I get to Johannesburg, we'll find yeah. Your it runs until fourth October, yeah. so I will see your works in in and don't sell all of them, please, <laughs> and, or, or keep keep the cheaper ones for some of us. Okay, I'll do, I'll do <laughs> Thank you so much. Enjoy your day and get better, huh? You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Same thing. Uh, is. Uh, uh, got some final tributes exhibition at the Goodman Gallery. It opened on the 11th and you may go and and, and view until the 4th of October this year. And hey, he's going to represent us now in Atlanta at Savannah College of Art and Design. When we come back, um, there's a Guinness Book of Records attempt here and we'll find out more about it after this. Otherwise, on SAFM, Now, there's a one million charity challenge. If you're in Durban on the 21st of September uh, or you live in Durban, then listen up because I'm talking to Christy Gibbons, executive manager for IBV Society for the one million charity challenge. Hello, Christy. Hi, Shadow. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Now, what's IBV? International Bank Vaults, I think. Yes, yes. International Bank Vaults. IBV is International Bank Vaults. And we've got a couple of divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, with regard to the Guinness World Record attempt, we are, it's part of our charity portfolio. Mm-hmm. So we have a whole bunch of charities that we support. Okay. For the Guinness World Record, we've actually got um, the support where we're supporting um, the Sunflower Fund as well as um, UNICEF. 
also supporting UNICEF as well, okay. as well as Childwear South Africa, so Child Welfare South Africa. So we're supporting a whole bunch of charities, and that's part of our um, CSI project. Okay, which is the society? Uh, well, that is part of our CSI portfolio, and okay. then we've got society, which I'm the executive manager of, and we've also got a supercar club. IBV Supercar Club. So we've got a whole bunch of divisions, but IBV, the IBV group is the um, the the group that we are, and then we've got. Um, um, <laughs> uh, that's that's all right. <laughs> because what I want to talk about is the supercar um, uh, call here. Because on the twenty first of September, you you are wanting to do what? Well, we are attempting to raise a million rand for charity. Mm-hmm. So we need essentially two things. Yeah. Obviously, because it is a supercar charity parade, mm-hmm. we need supercars, and we need money. So it's as simple as that. Okay. So what 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 supercars are we talking about here? Because it sounds absolutely amazing. What supercars are we talking about? Are we talking about top top high end supercars? Well, you know, we are talking top-end supercars, but it is a car parade. So we're looking for supercars, antique cars. Um, we've also got some super bikes that are joining us, Harley-Davidson bikes that are joining us. Mm-hmm. We've got um, the parade essentially is going to be escorted by um, the bikes, and then we've got a whole range of supercars. So that's anything you can imagine, um, antiques included. And then we've got um, luxury buses that are coming and accompanying us on the ride as well. So a whole bunch. It's going to be a car spectacular. But not only on the roads. I see you also have a, you'll be led by helicopter formation. Yes, yes, we will. Um, you know, we, we like to do it in style. So <laughs> we've, got, we've got the works, really. Now, how, how, is this, how do I then, be, if I'm a supercar owner, how do I participate? Well, um, we are, the agenda is as follows. So we're going to be starting at the Pavilion, Pavilion Hotel at uh, North Beach in Durban. Mm-hmm. And then the parade's going to proceed to the M4. And we're going to go to the interchange um, in, on the N2 um, by the toll lane. And we're going to come back down through to um, Gateway Theatre of Shopping. Mm-hmm. So essentially what we're asking supercar owners to do is to bring along their car mm-hmm. um, at the starting point at Pavilion Hotel mm-hmm. and come along with us and accompany an orphan child in their car on this parade. So that is, for me, the most uh, fantastic mm. idea because what it allows and what it affords is these children, these 200 children that we'll be escorting, it affords them some time with people who, you know, have tons of success and tons of things to, to offer these children. Um, so you're, you're allowing the children in the supercar, you know, owner to engage in some serious conversation time. Um, so we ask them to drive with the child and accompany them. And that's, that's really all we're asking if they've got a supercar. Just for their time and their car. I want to be one of those children because this must be the most amazing thing to happen. How do you handpick which, which children get the opportunity? Because it's 200 of them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very difficult task. Mm. But, IBV, the IBV group does have a children's VIP day, which is an annual event, and we, it's a non-cash event. So we ask a whole bunch of corporates to come along and to um, donate their time, and it's, it's a reversal of roles. So essentially the children become the VIPs for the day, and the normal VIPs become, you know, um, they assist the children in whichever way they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is... Um, 
what we do annually. What we have, the way we've gone about picking these children is by coming from those homes. So all the homes in Durban that we usually support, mm. we're taking a handful of, of children from there. So it is um, all through throughout KZN. And, um, you know, we just ask the, the principals of the school to, to select some individuals. I and I think it, they'll have a clear insight as to who, which children would benefit from it most. No, fantastic. Now, how do people become uh, participants? Uh, if, again, I'm, I own a supercar, do I just arrive or do I call in advance? <laughs> um, well, you know, if, if you're coming, you can come anywhere you want. But we do have some um, people that you can contact. Um, one of the people is Mark Rousseau, who's the executive manager of the RBV Supercar Club. Okay. And um, I think his number is 073 8525340. And you can reach me at Christy, and that's a bit of an odd spelling, but it's C-R-I-S-T-Y mm-hmm. at com. So we, those are the two people that you can reach. Thank you, Christy. We wish you all the best and good luck with the 21st and good luck with the Guinness World Record. Thank you so much. We have to achieve it. Thank you. You take thank care you. now. Bye. Well, there you have it. If you have a supercar, help raise one million rand, but mainly... Oh, just drive in your car with a with an orphaned child. Make his dream come true, or make him start to dream about success.